Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of CTA Data Acquisition and Image Post-Processing. And when I think about post-processing, we look at how far we've come in the sense that in the old days, which was probably like three years ago, you had basically one tool that you used for every function. The good news was it wasn't opening a lot of tools, and you would get very good at that tool, and you could make it work. And for a lot of things, I can make work very well, but I will admit that there are other things where specific tools really make your life easier, and it makes it easier to learn and do the process. It makes it more efficient. So we have tools for bone editing to segment out the bone. We have vessel segmentation tools to pull out vessels or track specific vessels like the coronaries. We have ways of looking at stenosis in the coronary and grading them. We do stents, TAVARs, for example. We do all sorts of measurements, and the computer can assist us in making the correct measurements. Colonoscopy, virtual colonoscopy, would not exist without fly-throughs and the computer assessment. CAD really improves our ability, so CAD is built into virtual colonoscopy. And we look CAD now for lung nodules, perhaps, in coronary artery stenosis. And I've seen articles on pulmonary emboli. So we are developing lots of tools and an oncology volumetrics, looking at growth patterns, all sorts of different things. And we've been involved in developing tools. So, for example, we developed this tool called the Watershed Transform Technique that allowed you to segment out bone from soft tissue. And when you think about it, it's such an important thing. Even a simple study like this of the liver when you look at it, you see a cirrhotic liver, you want to get more detail, you look at the vessels on the venous map, but the ribs tend to be in the way on the right. Uh, you can move things around and rotate and cut, but when you edit, it's so much easier, it's much more elegant and shows you all the information. So in scenarios like this, specific tools become very helpful. We also need to remember that scanner advances also provide tools for us. So although I've showed you this really nice example of bone removal, when you do dual energy CT, because calcium and iodine have different K levels and different atomic numbers, you're able to segment out bone from uh, contrast. And so here you can see in this patient, you want to look at the kidneys and you want to look at the vessels. Well, guess what? The computer automatically and very accurately takes away the bone and here's what you're left with. Now you're left with, you can see the graft off the right side of the aorta. You can see the anastomosis of the femoral artery. You can see it both in volume rendering and MIP. And all of this is done in a very easy manner. And dual energy, as I mentioned, uh, you could do it with a Siemens dual source or a GE single source. Uh, K-edge refers to the spike in attenuation that occurs at energy levels just greater than that of the K-shell binding because of the increased photoelectric absorption of these levels. Uh, the K value, the KH values vary for each element and they increase as atomic number increases. And that's why the calcium and, and uh, iodine are so important. Look at calcium, 40 KeV, atomic number 20, iodine, KH, KeV 32, atomic number 53. So the atomic numbers are really what drove the variation in the K-edge, and that gives you a lot of possibilities. You can use less contrast and still get an adequate study because you can make things brighter. That works particularly well in peripheral vessels. In the liver, you need iodine, but in other areas where you're looking at vessels, um, particularly runoffs, it's not an issue. So you potentially can do lower radiation dose. You can need less contrast. People at RSNA last year showed 
There were some new scanners. They could do uh, literally 25 cc's or so and do an entire runoff. So those things become important. You can do lower dose and potentially reduction in artifacts. And here's just a nice example. You can see the computer has automatically taken out the bones from the pelvis to the femurs to the tibia. And then you very nicely have the vascular map with MIP imaging. You can see the multiple areas of stenosis bilaterally. You can see the calcified and non-calcified plaque, particularly well seen in the LAD. But once you, uh, you know, look a bit more carefully, you then see distally some of the occlusions. You see the really poor trifurcation vessels, particularly on the right. You see lots of information very easily defined. Now, I mentioned that bone removal with dual energy is really good. Um, but, you know, if I show you peripheral runoffs and some, say, pelvic stuff, I think I could do as well with our bone removal. But where it really breaks down is in the head and neck region. This article by Posma made the point that the skull base, which is one of the biggest challenges, particularly in older patients with this vascular calcification, it's this dual energy that works so nicely. And here's just an example of a... Uh, circle of Willis and peripheral vasculature, very, very nicely shown because we're able to do the automated bone removal. Now, I do make the point that anything automated or anything that's even not automated, you got to be careful not to be fooled. So in this case, carotids look great. What about the neck? It looks to me like the left um, anominate is occluded, right? And what's going on there? It looks occluded on two views. Well, if you go back and you say, well, why is it good on this image? Look left to right. Why is there occlusion and no occlusion? What's happening is the very dense contrast that is seen in the patient's axillary regions from a right side of injection has come across, created beam hardening, and so the vessel tends to be obscured, and so it's felt to be not there. Uh, once you go back and you play around with the editing and you put the vessel back, then the images look good. So for example, you go from that to these images where you can see the vessels look indeed good. So a very important thing, I always make the point that whatever you're doing, always look at the source data. If the source data and the 3D or multiplanar disagree, you better look very carefully why there's disagreement. Um, often it's, um, uh, the disagreement is because of a technical feature. So very, very important to think about this. Now, when you think about this bone removal and vessels, then you think about many different applications and trauma is probably one of the best because in trauma, you wanna move quickly, you wanna do rem removing of bone, you wanna get good vascular pacification, looking at things like extravasation or vessel narrowing, filling defects, AV fistulas, pseudoaneurysms and the like. You really wanna take a look at that. And so for example, in this case, bone's been gone. And now you can see very nicely this early filling of the vein. So there's obviously an AV fistula due to trauma. Same patient, you go back and look at this case. Gunshot wound behind the knee. You can see the air in the soft tissues. Have a hard time seeing the patient's uh, vasculature on the arterial side. You look a little bit closer and you remove the bone. And then look how nicely you can see the vessels. You can see the superficial femoral artery is slightly narrowed, but it's probably spasm. There is no active extravasation present. And this patient was treated uh, conservatively. It was felt that probably there might be some spasm present. They had good pulses distally. But you can see how good the CTA is and how easy it is to perform even in the traumatized patient. 
Now, I mentioned cardiac as well, because cardiac is one of the areas where post-processing is so critical. And many people still look at cardiacs with axial. Truthfully, you must look at um, the multiplanar. And when I put multiplanar up there, I always mean also curved planar reconstructions. Many people put that separately. It's kind of in between the routine multiplanar and the 3D imaging. Curved planar reconstruction is particularly good at tracing vessels that are kind of running in and out of plane, that have lots of calcification. Because when you look at a curved vessel, whether you're looking at it from a coronal or a sagittal perspective, the picture is different because you have a lot of calcification, this dropout of data. Uh, it's very hard to track. And when you have something that's also very curvature, with a lot of big curvature, it's kind of... Uh, hard to track and there's lots of errors when you're doing post-processing. What you want to do is put a line through the vessel and have the line come out the other side and then stretch it like a piece of spaghetti. And that's what curved planar does. So now instead of a very tortuous vessel, you have a very nice stretched vessel. So in this case, you see plaque in this patient with chest pain, plaque, LAD, and uh, when you look at the curved planar reconstructions, you see the plaque calcified and non-calcified in the patient's LAD, and you recognize that you can very nicely see this and you can grade stenosis approaching 50% because you're able to get the vessel in the right perspective. And this vessel tracking works very nicely in that regard. We also find like everything, multiplanar works a lot of the time, but 3D can be helpful. Here's a patient, you see the right coronary looks good. Where's the left? The left seems to be coming from the same place as the right. And when you look at it, what you see now is a single renal artery with major branches to the right and left main coronary arteries. Very, very nice display of the vasculature. And you can see the 3D mapping. Again, color coding works very nicely. A really good look at the uh, vessel map. You can see, again, the common trunk to a single vessel. Very, very good showing uh, on that. Again, this brings back the point I always make about color. Although grayscale works well, with color you get an added dimension besides just the natural color. You also get a good feel in 3D. I think when we look at our eyes and how we see things, there's a certain amount we see in black and white. But in color, particularly with depth perception and orientation, you see a lot more. And it's much easier to uh, manipulate the data in color and do it well. And here's just a couple more views of that, showing the cardiac chambers, showing the uh, patient's origin of the right and left coronary artery, then showing it uh, again in 3D. So concluding then, uh, protocol design is just so critical. Both lectures made that point. But it's not just the protocol. I have to admit that I should put in the protocol how to read the study. So it's not enough to do the study correctly. Uh, you need to be able to read it correctly. That's so dependent on the protocol design. So whether it's delivery of IV contrast, whether it's segmenting the data, whether it's editing the data, when it's done, how it's done, every piece of the puzzle is very critical. Uh, when you're looking for stenosis, you better understand where you should be uh, measuring. When you're looking at stenosis, make sure you have the tools that allow you to quantify, quantify things, not just to be able to say it looks like it's narrowed. Is it 20%, 50%, 70%? Those things will often make a difference whether or not a patient goes to surgery. 
And I think if you don't have a good structure in place, it's going to be very hard to have a really strong CTA program. We're doing 50, 60 CTAs a day. We have a very well-defined program. We're very busy, but it's a combination of working with the technologists and nursing and radiologists to make all this happen. And it's really hard to make a good program without getting buy-in from everybody. So uh, I think you all know that and our techs know that. So uh, very important to have everybody working on the same page. And with that, I'll stop there and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.